0: Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hi, Jim. Kimberly, I'm so excited to have you here today, and not just the pleasure of your company, but also because today we're going to talk about something I know is deeply grounded in your heart. We're going to talk about one of your really primary passions in this world, helping to mend broken places, and particularly we're going to talk about the way in which we can intervene in the dreadful scourge of human trafficking, particularly the traffic in human flesh for sexual purposes. And sometimes it's a scary and dark subject, but I know you're on the front lines, Kimberly, and today we want to bring our listeners right into the mix so that all of us can know, for all the broken places, there is a way to make things whole. Human trafficking, sex trafficking, these are words, phrases that we hear often these days Sometimes we hear them so often they're beginning to just roll off our backs like Mm -hmm. water on a rainy day because after you hear something so many times it kind of becomes numbing. But I'm glad that the vocabulary has been introduced into ordinary conversation, but I also know that we need to keep talking about it and I can't Mm -hmm. just move to the next headline. Kimberly, I know that you are engaged in a ministry right in central Indiana. That's where it's based, although it's reaching coast to coast. It's called Stripped Love, yes. something born out of a vision in your own heart. Yes. And uh, before this broadcast ends today, I want to talk to you more particular about that. Mm-hmm. And Stripped Love helps set people free. But before we talk about that, tell me a little bit about How in the world would a nice girl like you, uh, a Tennessee Southern belle, uh, find her way into uh, a fight like this?
1: Such flattery. Well, you know, I've shared this story. I I can't recall if we've shared it on air or not uh, before, but I was uh, in church one Sunday morning, uh, the church that Jim, you used to pastor. Who was that guy preaching? Who was that guy talking? My pastor, Jim Lyon. And, and I, I do, I, I have to give Jim so much credit, I have to give you so much credit for this because I will never forget the sermon series was about dreams and you were inviting us to dream God-sized dreams. And uh, I um, had a spark sort of uh, tweaked in my heart. You were kind of sharing stories about ministries that were happening around the world that were just crazy, you know? And you mentioned one about a ministry in San Diego where Christian women went into strip clubs uh, in Jesus' name.
0: And it does seem a little bit out on the edge, doesn't (laughs) it?
1: (laughs) But in that moment, I mean, I I literally uh, heard God say, Kimberly, you should do this. And through just a whole host of other supernatural affirmations that happened over the course of the next year, I just knew it was what I was supposed to do, not least of which uh, was pulling out of the driveway that Sunday morning out of our church driveway and stopping at the stop sign and then over the railroad tracks into the red light and looked to the right and saw a sign that said, who's your girls now hiring class of 2010. And I knew that they were targeting my class of 2010 as a professor at Anderson University. I knew they were targeting these young women that I was pouring into and loving and helping to prepare for um, service to the church and the world. And I knew in that moment that that little club was my parish and God was calling me to it.
0: At that moment, and it is always extraordinary in a church meeting, never underestimate Mm -hmm. the power of going to a church meeting. Because... Even beyond what the pastor intends, yes. the Holy Spirit can work mm-hmm. in a person's life, and that's what you're describing mm-hmm. here.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: That is actually a life-altering moment mm-hmm. uh, and changes a trajectory, not just for you, but <laughs> yeah. for many people you could never have even dreamed up, <laughs> but that you have met along the way. But am I hearing you say that before that Sunday, the issue of women in adult entertainment or, or men who are participating in this exchange— that that whole issue wasn 't really of interest to you or you hadn't had any exposure to or wrestled with or been alarmed by any of that 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 was really just a doorway, and you started walking forward right. understanding and learning
1: not whatsoever and uh, you know i 'm an academician, so I spent my life trying to study and become an expert at certain fields, so the notion of going to do something that is completely out of your totally element, foreign to yes, your discipline yeah. is not you know i 'm not down with that. I don't enjoy that. That's not what I do. Uh, So this, no, this was completely not on my radar. Um, I will say I had spent the year before um, really practicing Sabbath and uh, positioning myself in my life so that I was open to hear God and kind of uh, saying no to things I needed to say no to and yes to things I needed to say yes to. And so I feel like I had been tilling the soil. I had always had in my heart. I've always been passionate about women and about um, justice. And uh, I've always cared about people on the margins. But I never had any uh, connection to folks in sex trade, didn't know anything about trafficking, completely not on my lead sheet.
0: I think an important point you're making here. You were in a season of life where you were seeking the Lord's leading Mm -hmm. about just how to intervene in the world around you. But you had no idea it would be at the Hoosier Girls strip club and then everything else that's followed. No. Okay, so that that opened the door for you. And Mm. I, I just want to disclose that. I have come to this issue a different way. I, I preached that sermon you're talking yes. about. I remember that. I remember meeting with a pastor in San Diego mm-hmm. who gave me the illustration mm-hmm. because he had this happening in his church. He was a little bit like me, I think, a regular guy who who didn't imagine such a thing, <laughs> and that's why it was so stuck in my head after meeting him. And I brought it home to right, to right. talk to my local church because it just seemed so out there. Women going to strip clubs and what's that about? And You know, I think everybody understands our strip clubs. I, frankly, have never been to a strip club in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I know they exist. I have an idea of what goes on there, but I've never been inside. But I I have had some intersections where my eyes were open to the tragedy of trafficking. And that's generally, for me, been in the consequence of foreign travel abroad.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I went to Europe in 1972 as a 20-year-old man. A single guy with two of my single-guy cousins, and we spent six weeks traveling about on the continent. It was a great and fantastic trip. It was the year of the Munich Olympic Games, and Mm. that's why we went, just to go watch it and so on. A lot of drama with the Olympic Games unrelated to the trafficking issue. But all of that to say, when I was traveling by myself as a young man in Europe, I suddenly began to notice... Those women are trying to pick up guys like us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those women are approaching us. And in my world, in those days, I just walked on the other side of the street and turned away. I didn't want to know about it. I didn't want to even be tempted by Mm -hmm. it. So I just turned away from it. But as I grew older and started to travel more and my ministry took me different places, I'll never forget being in Frankfurt, Germany. And I can tell you exactly when it was. It was 1987. Mm -hmm. And I was coming back from India. I'd been out in India for... Weeks in the Outback on the adventure of a lifetime. And I had to change planes in Frankfurt, but I spent a weekend there because I was going to speak at a church there. Long story Mm -hmm. for the first time in a long time, I was on the streets of Germany alone. And right there, (laughs) up in my face, was human trafficking. It was startling, it was jaw dropping, Mm -hmm. and it caused a very set of uncomfortable feelings inside of me as I just stood and watched a part of me was appalled. Mm -hmm. A part of me watched other men just like me who looked pretty ordinary fall into its grasp, Mm -hmm. walk into the doorways, receive the invitation and follow through. And I remember standing on a street corner and just thinking, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. what kind of world is this? Mm -hmm. I'm only saying that to say, no matter where we come to it from, sooner or later, if you're alive you're going to be in proximity to the trafficking of human flesh. You may not see it right up front. It may not be obvious to you, Mm -hmm. but it is everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's as old as human history. And with the technology and the mobility of our present global village, Mm -hmm. it has leaped across boundaries and communities and borders in ways that for the first time in human history are truly making a seamless global net of human trafficking And folks, we're here to talk about that today and what we can do to rescue and to help set free. One of those passages of the New Testament that just jumps off the page in a way that others don't always jump out at me is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, I believe that the whole of the Bible is inspired by God. From Genesis to Revelation, everything that has been captured in print in that book has some meaning and merit, something to teach me. But some of the passages, let's just be frank, are a little bit of sleepers when I read them. (laughs) Although every now and then, they too come alive. But this one, every time I run over it, whoa, it just caused me to stop and think. Maybe because it speaks to that primal sexuality that is in all of us. Maybe I shouldn't speak for everyone, certainly in me, but I think in all of us. And it speaks directly into the way in which the enemy of our souls can take something God has made perfect and wonderful and mess it up. And so here we are in Corinthians chapter 6 beginning with verse 12. This is what it says. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Stop. Here the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian believers, and I think to all of us, that when we are free ourselves in Christ, when we find that we have been liberated from some of the old ceremonial laws of the Old Testament— that we might step into a zone where we think, well, you know what, I'm free to do whatever I want. Jesus has died for me on the cross. I've just got a free and open, clean page and to pursue whatever my heart desires. And he's challenging that idea saying, well, yeah, but you know what, not everything is good for you. Not everything helps you or the people that you impact. And mark this, Paul says, you must never be a slave to anything. Don't allow your passions, your desires to overtake you in such a way that your better judgment is compromised, that you make decisions that hurt other people. And I think every person needs to stop and just think about that a little bit in this Wild West, this circus of sexuality in which we live today. Be careful that you don't become a slave to anything. Now, Kimberly, if you read down in that chapter further, Paul says, you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Verse 14, what does that say?
1: God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him.
0: Paul continues in a very powerful verse. Run. Run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So, right here in this passage, we have this marvelous union of the Spirit the soul and the body, Mm -hmm. the wonder of the human body created by God, the wonder of human sexuality, a gift from God, the wonder of his spirit striving within us, and also the danger of mixing those things up in ways that cause harm to ourselves and others with whom we become intimate. And the whole mentioning of prostitution is just a flag that reminds us that when you allow yourself to be in a sexual relationship with someone else, you become one with that person. And you shouldn't just be using other people to satisfy something that you want to do or that you feel like you need. That is not how sexuality was designed. It's more of a gift to you and something that you give and share with someone to whom you're committed for a lifetime. All of that framing brings us back to the issue at hand about the trafficking of human sexuality because all of that is predicated on greed and a kind of unhealthy lust and a perversion of sexuality where people's bodies are actually enslaved. No matter how you want to cut it, that's what happens. They are enslaved to meet the needs and the desire and the profit of someone else.
1: It's so true, Jim. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, it's a it's a supply and demand market. It is, um, you said earlier, it, prostitution is old as human history, and it really is. And we think about the position of the, quote, prostitute in Scripture. Now, this was not anything a woman ever did because she wanted to. She has these dire circumstances, and she's locked into a system, and uh, culture has boxed her in in this situation. I'm thinking of Tamar. I'm thinking of Rahab, Right. Uh, and uh, there are things that happen, and um, God then ends up actually being with and for these women, right, who find themselves without other alternatives. The prostitutes I know today, you know, these are, these are not ever little girls who, who dreamed of growing up to become a prostitute. These are women who have um, most often been victims of poverty and uh, culture and cycles of abuse. And what happens is there continues to be this supply, this need to feed this sexual appetite. And so there's always a place to sell what you have if that's all you have. And I should say, too, in my experience, the men who buy these goods are just as broken as the women who sell
0: them. And as desperate for something. Yeah. Even as they exchange cash. And there are also people who profit by the intersection. That's uh, the right. The person who is actually managing the store, so That's to speak. Right. Very rarely is prostitution an individual proprietor who is self-employed. Mm-hmm. It's usually part of a larger web and network where someone else is profiting by what's taking place behind that closed door or on a street corner or wherever.
1: Which is the definition of trafficking itself.
0: And that is what we're talking about. Right. And it has many, many dimensions and many, many layers. It is a huge issue and very profitable in our world today. So, Kimberly, do you have any idea how many people are actually being trafficked today?
1: Our best estimate is somewhere between 21 to 29 million people in this world today. Well,
0: let's just stop. As we're talking on the radio, the statistics suggest that at this minute... There are between twenty one and twenty nine million people enslaved in sexual trafficking yeah i mean it's it's an astonishing number
1: so they it usually ends up to say we think you know the average is about twenty seven million. It's crazy, and uh again, we know that it's about a thirty two billion dollar a year enterprise global enterprise uh we know that the target age for um persons to be trafficked is between fourteen and eleven. Oof. And that that figure is as true in Atlanta as it is in Manila.
0: There's a thirst for young, yeah. flesh, so to speak. Yeah, that's where sort of that, the
1: prime market.
0: And that's being fed because that's where the money is. And of course, after you pass fourteen and you get to be fifteen or eighteen or twenty-five or thirty-two, mm-hmm. there's still a marketplace. Mm-hmm. But right now, the focus is on those younger mm-hmm. kids. And as we talk about this awful phenomenon. Mm -hmm. We do acknowledge that it has always been so, and in every culture, in every place, there's always been an undercurrent to society in the selling of human flesh for sexual purposes. Mm -hmm. We, in this program, this broadcast, are part of a larger umbrella of ministries called Church of God Ministries, and we are working on these fronts at the Church of God Ministries portfolio which includes some places abroad. That's right. And uh, there is the shelter in India. This is a place that's been going for 101 years now where young Indian girls have a chance to live free, where they come from villages that are destitute, where there's no economic option, where in India, even today... There's a patriarchal society that often devalues females, and so to be a small child, female, in yes. a destitute village makes you especially pray At to risk. someone who comes in to offer some money to your parents. They don't mean to sell their daughter for some unfortunate purpose, but they think the child's going to be taken away to get an education in the city or whatever. But what happens is the child is taken away mm-hmm. and forced into a brothel right. or into some kind of Hindu temple prostitution. Mm-hmm. That is today's news, just like it was in 1914 when the shelter opened. Absolutely. And the shelter provides a place where these girls can find safety, a family, and a future, and an education, and grow up to be independent and wholly healthy, contributing members of their society, unafraid of a world that would steal them. We just want you to know, listening today, the shelter today is in the process of expanding its net of care so that we are working to build a new shelter, a a bigger building next to the one that exists now in the city called Katak that can vastly expand the number of, of rooms and opportunities for more girls who wait by the thousands outside for a chance. But it's part of the fight against the traffic.
1: Yeah, I like when we talk about the shelter in um, this initiative, Jim. I always like to say this is this is we're getting in the way of trafficking in India in Katak. You know, if you're born a poor girl in a place where girl babies are not valued, <laughs> and uh, your family doesn't have means, it's a very short walk to understanding the only options you might have come to you. And so the shelter is this alternative. It's a place where children, young um, women can grow up and study and learn, and then, as you and I have seen, um, be women who change the world for good.
0: And the girls who live at the shelter today have all found this hope without having been sold. That's right. Even at the beginning of the shelter, some girls who had already been sold found refuge there. Mm-hmm. Today, it's much more proactive mm-hmm. in redeeming the children before they even get into the stream and oh, right. we celebrate that. But again, if we could just get some more spaces, some more rooms, some more shelter in the shelter, mm-hmm. more girls mm-hmm. who wait and are vulnerable right now while we're talking could be saved. So that's the shelter. We're also working in Berlin, which is a whole different world. Germany is a developed country. And yet in Berlin, there's terrible trafficking in human flesh, especially from Eastern Europe, from economically deprived parts of the Mediterranean Basin. They pour into Berlin. Prostitution is legal in Germany. So there's a kind of cover in a way. makes it easier for people to move about. And yet it's still the same. People lose control of their lives and are thrown into a system where they must sell themselves give money to someone who essentially owns them, Mm -hmm. and they have no prospect of getting free.
1: And Though prostitution is uh, approved of by the state and is legal uh, in um, the cities and, and all over Germany, there's no sort of government program for women who come out of that. And so that work for redemption and restoration and to help women come out of sex trade, all of that is being resourced to them through... The church um, through the gospel.
0: And we're partnering with a project in Berlin called the Pink Door, which is a terrific vision already in play, Mm -hmm. helping women who have been essentially enslaved on the streets of Berlin to know that there is a way out if they want to reach for it. It's scary and terrifying, but many do. And The Pink Door helps provide that transitional bridge so they can find life again and be free. We're so excited to be partners with The Pink Door and with The Shelter in India and with some things right here at home who are also on the streets of the United States and in Canada, working to help protect and to set free. There's a wall that has been
3: standing Since the day that Adam fell Sin is where it started in his white hair Speaking as a prisoner Who was there and lived to tell I remember how it felt I can hear the sound of freedom Like a distant voice a call Come beckon me to follow Where I'd never gone And though my heart was willing I just stood there at the wall Praying somehow it would fall But in a cross I found the doorway And a hand that held the keys When the chains fell at my feet For the first time I could see He gave me
0: as we've talked about the horror of sex trafficking abroad, we know it also is right here at home uh, in these United States where we're making this program in our studio. And we want you to know that there is a way that you can help make a difference today. You can help be an instrument of heaven's own hand. The first thing we want to dare you to do is you make a decision yourself that you are going to guard your body and your mind. You're going to guard your sexuality, and you're going to reserve it for the highest and purest best and will not take advantage of someone else so that your needs and your desires can be met. It's as simple as that. And then you can also make a contribution and get involved. And we're raising money through the Chog traffic light to make that traffic light red and to stop in its tracks people who sell and buy other people. And you can do that by contacting us at CBH Viewpoint. And making a contribution to the traffic light, which this year and until February 14 next, which is what we're calling Freedom Sunday, February 14, 2016, the first Sunday in Lent, where churches around the country are rallying to the cause, make a gift of any size and 100% of it will go right to fighting the traffic. How do you do it? You give us a call. Dial this number one 800 757 view That's one 800 757 Eight, four, three, nine. We'd be glad to talk to you about this issue or any area of your life as you seek God. Kimberly, if someone wanted to go online, where would they find us?
1: You can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. You can send us a message there, and someone will respond right away to you.
0: Or send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. Put a check in that envelope, just make it payable to chog traffic light, and it'll go to the right place. Folks, wherever you are in life today, whatever you're doing right now, just take a minute and pray with us. Pray for yourself and the world in which we walk. Our Father, we're so thankful for the beauty of life you have breathed into us. We're thankful for the gift of human sexuality, which has so many ways it can bless. We also acknowledge, Lord, that it's been often turned on its head, and made a weapon instead of a blessing, a curse instead of something beautiful. And we pray today for all those who are enslaved in the net, for those who are participating in the traffic, we pray that they can be redeemed and set free and help us, each of us, to ourselves, be a part of the right side of the fight. We pray, Lord, that as a consequence of our listeners today, there will be people set free and decisions made that will make people safe. And we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Kimberly, thanks for being on the program today, and thanks for your ministry.
1: Oh, I'd love to get a chance to talk about it.
0: And we thank you for tuning in. Remember, join us again next week as we take you in a little deeper, and we'll talk about how a strip club can be a doorway to human trafficking. You won't want to miss it. Join us. For all of us here at the Church of God Ministries family, for all of us here at the Viewpoint team, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.